Ooh. You would think I've done this before. Yeah? No. Nope. Not today. It is Monday. Five bucks if you can guess this one. Rocky Horror Picture Show. Close. Uh, it's not Thriller. <laughs> Most definitely is not Thriller. I, that, yeah, that's about the extent of... Deep Purple. Okay. Another Casey classic. Yeah. I'd just like to continually point out you had a, a warped childhood <laughs> and don't know any of these songs. Yeah, it's still fun. <laughs> Hopefully funny for other people. <laughs> Oh, there's people laughing right now. Oh, I'm sure. One of them is named Jason Glover. Yes. And Jared Bertrand. Nah, Jason, Jared didn't know it either. He didn't know, but he's laughing. He will be laughing. Yeah. Anything at my expense is, is funny for, for Jared. Well, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. Zachary. I'm good. I'm good. It's a Monday. Last week you had a case of the Mondays. You got the same case? No, I, I feel better this week. Uh, more rested. Got... Some, a lot of stuff done today. The, the boys were home from school. Why? It was a professional development day for Rockwood. So they were home and got to hang out and chill. And You should speak to the administration about that. I Seems did. like a lot of wasted time. <laughs> they were doing professional development on, I don't know what, but they had all-day meetings on how to be better. Meetings? They do. About meetings? Yeah, pretty much. Talking about emails? Yeah, I think so. I think that was a big part of the... Uh, the day session was a meeting about email. Well, our Monday tonight is going to be spent down here at Maggie O'Brien's. Maggie O's. Yeah, thanks to Cameron and to all the management and, and staff down here at Maggie O's. They've been treating us really, really well Yeah, and um, very responsive and, and helpful and such a nice place. And I, I, and I, the lemon pepper wings. Oh, I, I had the house salad tonight, which I don't usually go for salads. It was good. Green goddess dressing, little Provel cheese, some eggs. Okay, I got a lot of questions here. Go for it. Uh, iceberg? Uh, yeah. So it's not a salad? Well... It's crispy water with what kind of dressing? It was a vehicle for cheese and dressing. <laughs> <laughs> and crushed up eggs. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little disappointed, to be honest. They're supposed to be crushed up pretzels. They didn't come on there. So, well, you did order something that was not on the brown side of the menu. I know. I know. Good for you. I know. So, uh, good weekend? Yeah. I mean, uh, the youngest had a game on Saturday up at Sportport. Just one? Just one game. And then we had City U16 yesterday yep. and came up victorious. They're 5-0-1. Beat those Chicago people. Yeah, the FC United. We should talk about that. That was fun. Their fans were... Well, let's talk about it. Yeah, it was... That's what we're here for. I mean, it... I paid for the mics. <laughs> to use them. It's the first time in, I think, over in a year, since we've been playing for this club, mm-hmm. it's the first time I felt uncomfortable with the fans. Yeah, it was It was a little... Uh, I, I did not expect that. <clears throat> no. It was extremely... You know, there's one thing about being enthusiastic to the point of a little arrogant. Sure. And then there's a whole other line you cross when... You're just being a dick. Well, to paint the picture, we're at City Park on training field three. Behind the fence. Which is not the best viewing <laughs> experience for any sort of soccer match or anything that you want to see inside of it. Because there's... Unless you're in prison. <laughs> there's a fence, and then there's netting behind the fence, and then there's the sloped sidewalk and the 
15 yards between the grass and the sidewalk. And so it's just not a, a great uh, venue to watch a game. So but it's brilliant at developing players. It's certainly good Let's at that. Let's get the uh, yep. no, I get glass it. half that's full why we, side. That's why we pay so much. Um, so <laughs> yeah. FC United came into town. They're from the northern side of Chicago. A very diverse team um, as far as where the kids are coming from and the style of play. Well, I'm going to speak to that real quick. <clears throat> In talking to one dad who was somewhat sane, yeah. conversational, yeah. Half the team were Chicago Fire U15 players, right. academy. Right. But because the Fire doesn't have a U16 team, they all get farmed out yeah, if FC, they're not moved up to 17. FC United Soccer's you know, inherit a lot of those kids in that, yeah. that one gap year. Which I think we should have a whole conversation about why there aren't U16 it, teams it makes no sense. for MLS academies. But that's a whole other topic. Anyway, the, the problem was they were all up on the fence. Mm-hmm. So people who are sitting on the sidewalk couldn't see, which automatically causes conflict. And <laughs> because they don't know the the sidewalk etiquette right. at City Well, <laughs> City I, just, just I, this, is, this is annoyance for me forever. If you're in the airport and you're walking along at the pace of everybody else, if you make a sudden stop because you wanted to look at something, I'm going to run into you. You know why? Do you do it on purpose? Yes. <clears throat> Just know your surroundings. So if you see a, peop- a whole group of people lined up on the sidewalk and you walk in front of those people to stand in front of them, yeah. we're Clo- going to get mad. Closer to the field in Correct. which everybody's looking at. Right. Yeah. Just don't be oblivious. Seems reasonable. So that was strike one. Strike two, every single play where there was contact against their players, yeah. an, a roar came from this group. Oh my God! Yellow card. They yellow were chanting card. VAR. Yeah, yeah, it was ridiculous, and so it got a little <laughs> chippy um, between our supporter group and their supporter group. And so I had a discussion with one of our supporters, who shall remain nameless, and we had a debate: um, worst fans, suburban Chicagoites, or Kansas City people in general. Ooh, that's a tough mm. one. Um, I, I honestly I have to go with suburban Chicagoites because I did. I agree. I didn't feel like I was going to get in a fight with anybody from the Sporting KC side. I just felt sorry for them. No, I know. You know, you want to like ask where their tip jar is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> where's your donation bucket? Yeah, I'll help you out. Sorry, <laughs> and I feel bad because one of our guests actually has a little bit of relationship there. But we'll talk about that a little bit later. That's okay. We'll yeah, we'll hold against them at this. And point. And I don't think it was Sporting KC then huh? anyway. No, that's true. So we'll get to that. Uh, but, yeah, so that was our, our Sunday. But it ended well, 2-1, to one, victory, and moving on. Uh, first, first goal against us in the field of play, by the way. Yes. All season, six games. Six games, total of two goals against. One PK and then one in, yeah, on Sunday. Compliments of my son, PK. Yeah. Good for him. And compliments of our other, our other guy's son yeah, for Jared. the uh, goal <laughs> on Sunday. <laughs> hey, uh, quick thanks to the supporters of the show. We have... Uh, Crescent Plumbing Supply, thank you for continuing to help out our people that come in and try to stay on budget with kitchen and bath needs. Uh, AxesPT.com, uh, fixing young bodies and uh, making those strains and sprains go away a little bit quicker. And then Chris and Bill, ThePinnacleLoans.com, uh, continuing to support the show, which brings us to Pinnacle, Pinnacle Points, points yeah. of the Day. Go ahead with yours, because I was already told what mine is by my wife. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, first, first of all, I have to re- re- recant something I just said 30 seconds ago. 
the goal was nobody's fault. But our other co-host, our carpool co-host, Jared's son, Bertrand. He was technically closest was to the ball. Closest to the ball. But it wasn't really his fault. He did an excellent job of tracking him down, did yeah. everything he could other than taking his legs out in the box, which resulted in a PK. Which would have been fine. I would been cool with that. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm happy for him. Anyway, uh, my pinnacle point <laughs> is another St. Louis legend, SLU alum, Tim Ream. We talk about him, I feel like, every week. But this week well, he's in the news. Well, I mean, he keeps on doing good shit. Yeah. And it... What an amazing guy. Chris Basham from Sheffield oh United. God. I just puked in my mouth thinking about it. Don't Google it. <laughs> no. Uh, but in the field of play, nobody contacts him, takes a, a, a shot, actually a cross from uh, the corner, and completely dislocates and breaks his left ankle. I mean, it's it looks like it had been amputated and held together. It by looks like a flat chicken wing. Yeah, it's not good. The nub. Yeah. The other team they're playing is Fulham. By the way, quick point. Tim Ream's first start against Fulham. Anyway, or first appearance. I mean, against uh, Sheffield. So Tim Ream goes over, sits down with Chris Basham, holds his hand while everybody else is looking away, can't even look in their direction because this, I mean, it's a grotesque injury. It blows away the Joe Namath. Oh, right. it's bad. Yeah. Um, so Tim Ream sits there with him until the, the physios get there. They get him off on the stretcher. Um, and Tim Ream gets love from the Sheffield fans. The Blades fans are going crazy for, for Tim Ream because he stood up and kind of crossed the aisle, so to speak. Uh, update on Basham. He did have a surgery to clean things up yesterday um, just to make sure there was no infection, kind of like the, uh, uh, what was the quarterback, Alex Smith for the, the Redskins. Similar injury. Yep, yep. Um, and so to clear out the infection, then he's going to have another reset surgery this week. But, whew. I, I mean, how modern science, if he jogs again, would be amazing. Yeah. Because his foot was literally in a different time zone than his lower leg. Yep. 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 Like I said, if you don't get squeamish, Google it. If you do, don't. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, it literally looks like his foot is hanging in his sock. But to your point, Tim Ream immediately, yep. he saw it. I mean, he had to have heard it. He was closest to him. As well, and immediately just ignored the play, went over, yep. knelt down, and yep. class act. Yeah, agreed. Uh, do you believe in karma? Uh, most of the time. Um, do you believe in uh, deja vu? I do. All right. So my pinnacle point of the day, compliments my wife, is two stories along right. those lines. All right. Uh, number one, she woke up the other day in this like uh, not a depressed panic, but definitely a more depressed state in the morning. Okay. It's usually it's not good until coffee. Is sure, introduced yeah. into the <laughs> the equation. <laughs> Understood. Um, on this morning was even more, and I'm like, "What's going on?" And she's like, "I had this dream. Uh, our uh, Teresa Bont, who was our old neighbor, who they moved to Tulsa. They moved there because she is a recruiter for Tulsa. She goes, I had this dream that Teresa and Jeff wanted to adopt Beckett and take him to Tulsa.'" And this and that. And immediately I start tuning the whole thing out. Like, okay, whatever. I heard Tulsa. <laughs> Dream. Old neighbors adopting yeah. our son. Okay, cool. Eight hours later, mailman comes to the door, slots the mail in. She goes over, picks it up. She goes, JB, holy fuck. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> she hands me a letter and it's Tulsa soccer. No. <laughs> I swear to God. No. I mean, thousands of universities, right? You know, the mail is it's starting to sprinkle in and I just start laughing like what am I gonna say like 
but literally that day. Now, does she subscribe to the USPS email? No, no, no. This was specific. This was, hey, coming in, we're going to be at SLU, blah, blah, blah. Uh, well, no, what I'm saying is the USPS has a, an email service that they scan pictures of all your mail coming in. Oh, and they oh send it no, to no, 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 no. Okay, good, because that makes the story a lot I thought better. that was just another one of these <laughs> college recruiting. Oh, no, 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 it's, it, you literally get it. United States Postal Service. Correct. Heard you, of them. Yeah, yeah, USPS. <laughs> so that was the first one. Second one, Beckett's birthday, Friday <laughs> night, we're sitting down at uh, uh, Hamilton's, mm -hmm, I think I told you, mm -hmm. Hamilton's State. And if, if you haven't been, go. Hamilton if you State, like pork yeah. chops, go faster, because mm -hmm. it was phenomenal. Uh, we're in there. We're all checking it out, and, and both my kids, Max and Beckett, they're foodies, but, but they're really cognizant of the environment. Like, they love urban eateries. Yep. And they're sitting there, and we're all talking, and cool decor, and they're like, hey, you know, the problem is the music's just a little too low. And one of them said something about, what kind of vibe is it? And I go, you know, it's kind of dirty blues, or maybe like, oh, brother, where art thou? Uh, yes. Right? Literally. Two bites later, what plays? Soggy Bottom Boys. Soggy Bottom Boys yes. comes on the radio. And Kim looks at me and she's like, holy shit, that's twice in one week? <laughs> I'm like, I don't believe in that. You guys are prescient. <laughs> yeah. So pinnacle point of the day is this. I had two experiences with, is it, is it, is that deja vu or is that? No, I think it's, it's more. Karma was really the wrong word. Karma, karma. yeah, not, not really, more prescient, you know, like. Spell that. P-R-E-S-C-I-E-N-T. <laughs> All right, you win. Okay. Anyway, does that happen to you often? It it sometimes does. I wouldn't say often, but it has happened. Do you take it in stride or do you freak out like my wife? Mm, I don't freak out. Okay. No, I don't really dive into that. And when Mandy tells me her dreams, I go, boop. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Sorry. I just don't. She knows it. Mandy, I care. You can tell me. Yeah. Uh, I want to do Jared's real quick, very, very quickly. And it's about Beckham. Um, David know, Beckham? David Beckham. Yeah. I heard so the him. new Netflix series, if you haven't watched it, you should if you like soccer, football, anything. It's it's brilliant, uh, and <laughs> but Miami. Womp womp. Sorry, I. I'm oh, not, is that what you wanted? Yeah, is that really, where you were going? Yeah. So you led with Netflix just yes. to hook us on yeah. Miami tanking. Yeah, I'm just not upset about it. It's very uh, Bertrand esque of you. Well, that's why I did it. I waited for his to do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you glamped onto Jared's. Yep. <laughs> yep. I get it. I see what you did there. Yeah. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to get some refills. We are going to bring our guests on for the day. Guests, plural. Um, Father-son combo, which is kind of appropriate, right? Soccer dad pod. Yep. We've done this. How many <clears throat> times have we had? Uh, two or three now. Uh, Pallet solo, Glovers. And number three. Yeah. And Santos. I think. We got to get our boys on, though. We do. Yeah. yeah. They... Well, mine still thinks we're nerds, but... Oh, mine absolutely does. Yeah, well, he don't count. None of them really count. <laughs> All right, we'll be back. We're down here at Maggio's. Thank you for listening. Give us a like. Give it a share and a follow. Oh, oh, one more. Did you see the uh, review from uh, Patch's Daughter? Oh, yeah, it's beautiful. I love it. Beers and Tears. Beers and Tears, perfect title. Yeah, I love it. All right, thanks, Aaron. We'll be back right after the break. Crescent Plumbing Supply helps save marriages. Really, as families grow, kitchen and bath needs change rapidly. Designing and choosing the right fixtures takes way more skill than just scrolling Pinterest. Staying on budget? 
and avoiding those foreign language order sheets, that's not easy. Lucky for you, the local team at Crescent Plumbing Supply, they are experts. They can help you ditch the baby's tub for a teenage shower and upsize that kitchen sink for all those tumblers, rosé glasses, and sports water bottles. So, when you're ready for that kitchen or bath makeover, go to crescentsupply.com. That's crescentsupply.com. Yo, Jared here. Remember the pool pandemic of 2021? I was infected. I needed my own oversized oasis in Wentzville. I needed a simple solution to pay for it. So I reached out to my favorite undefeated CBC freshman standouts, Bill and Chris at The Pinnacle Loans. Long story short, I have my pool. It's a flipping hammer. The loan process with those guys was so simple. Even I did it. Now, every time I get in my pool to drink ice cold beer, I can thank the team over at ThePinnacleLoans.com. That's ThePinnacleLoans.com. 20 and 0 as freshmen? Really? We're back. It's Monday. Guitar gently weeps. Well played. I'll give you five bucks back. Thanks. Uh, who wrote the song, though? You got one of four to choose from. I know. I'm pretty sure it's Paul, but I'm not. No, it's the cool one. Oh, John. <laughs> George. Ringo. <laughs> I would, out of the four, I would love to party with Ringo. Yeah. I, 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 I would party with any of them. But yeah, uh, George would have been my first choice, actually. Yeah. He's dead, though. He is. Yeah. So is John. Yep. Paul would be cool, though. Absolutely. I mean, look, it's the Beatles. It is. Well, let's do this. Let's introduce our guests and ask yeah. them real quick. Okay. <laughs> Today, according to your dashboard, you already know who we have. <laughs> we have a father-son combo. A couple St. Louis names, players. Um, we have Mr. Mark Santel and Brandon are you the oldest, the youngest? How many? You got siblings? Yeah, one, uh, one older sister. So you're the baby. I am. All right. Paul, John, Ringo, or George? Who are you having a pint with? I think I'm going Paul. Going with Paul? I think I might second that one. Really? Yeah. Is it the piano? He does everything. It's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. <That is> iconic. <laughs> he's not. He's not bad. He kind of knows what he's doing. A little bit. A little bit. Well, gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, appreciate you coming down. Um, you know, this is this is one of those conversations that, like, I love that we're going to be able to, like, kind of go through some decades and, and themes here. And, um, you know, and it's one of those things because I'm, I'm a little bit younger than you. Uh, and I, I remember watching. I remember, you know, because over tournament champions, you know, when you guys were playing and uh, your slew days. Um, it's just one of those things it's it's fun to in the flesh go back and kind of kick those memories up again because the majority of our listeners they have the same memories oh yeah <clears throat> so let's let's real quickly kind of paint a little bit of a background picture mm-hmm. um, starting with you dad um, you know where'd you grow up early teams and you know we're gonna we're gonna move up into the college pro years pretty quick here and 
start having a little conversation. Okay. Yeah. I grew up in uh, a little closer, if you don't mind. We claimed North St. Louis, but it was more Maryland Heights, Bridgeton. So we, we claimed North over South. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and some called us, you know, imposters, but that's okay. Uh, yeah, I grew up in that area. Went to uh, you know St. Blaise grade school, then went on to CBC High School uh, club teams. We, I'm sure Kenny mentioned the plumbers. We had a plumber sponsor that yeah. sponsored us for a while and 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 played there for and had some uh, some really good times. And went on to, to Gallagher and, and Tommy Howe after after a while and uh, legendary as as everyone knows. And you know Brandon had a chance to play for him, which is really cool. I mean uh, to be able to you know ha- share the same coach is remarkable. So. That's, an, that's is incredible. It, yeah. I mean, isn't it so funny though, Zach? Like you know when we have individuals like yourself on Mark, <clears throat> it's almost as if we have to like. There's a limited number of ingredients that have been used in the St. Louis soccer scene. And there's a, all you do is rotate out two or three. So in your instance, you're north, you're not south. You were with Coach Mickler, you weren't with Villa, you know, or Vader. You know, in, in these very few differences, but at the end of the day, it's really all the same it's the same sauce, yeah. you know, just staying right, on. Right. So is it because you guys mentioned you've, you've listened to some episodes. Have you heard that same theme? Does it, does it kind of resonate with you when you hear some of your peers talk about so many of the same paths? Yeah, it's 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 such a rich town. Um, and, you know, d- days go our years go by like days. So now that I'm a little bit older and trying to go back into the vault and remember some of these memories. It's cool to listen to your guys' show and listen to guys talk about it. And it kind of triggers things, you know, it triggers some things that, uh, you know, maybe I've, I've forgotten about. But, um, yeah, it's super cool. And everyone, like you said, had a similar path with a few tweaks here and there. But And, and now you, you see what the what's behind us here at the stadium. It's all kind of come full circle, and it's an amazing thing. And you, when you go down to the stadium, I think, I mean, you run into people you haven't seen in, in years, but it's, it's a really cool experience to kind of, uh, share this right now. So now, did you play at CBC with Kenny? I did. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So Kenny Godet for those uninitiated. Yeah, yeah Kenny Godet because I believe Mickler calls it. You got goaded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you get megged, uh, megged for what was it? Was it megged for a goal or? And he's listening, and now he's. I, I'm probably getting a text right now in real time. We will be, yeah. <laughs> yeah right. Either Terry or Kenny. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Unfortunate event. We'll just <laughs> leave it at that. And, you know. But have you met his dog, Bill? <laughs> he likes Bill, and yeah. Bill's something, from what I hear. Yeah, from what I hear. So. That's awesome. Uh, talk a little bit about kind of those formative years, um, you know, because in the, in the mid-'80s, you know, really early-'80s all the way through um, – there's a lot of names popping that are like, you know, not only successful at the high school level, state ti- I mean, state titles were being pumped out amongst the really the big four schools. Um, at that time, you had the clubs that were winning, um, you know, McGuire Cups and continually going to nationals. And then the U.S. national team players kept on kind of out of our backyard, kept keep on popping up on the roster. Was it a special time? Did you realize you were part of a special time when all of that was going down? In addition to, because at that time, you're probably going down to the barn and you're watching, you know, Patch and Ebes and, you know, the Steamers do what they're doing, which is a completely different beast. How cool was it, though, to be a player in those years? Yeah, it was phenomenal. And and honestly, I think I appreciate it now more than I did then. I mean, at that time, we're getting Olympic qualifying games here at the soccer park and uh, the national team was in on a regular 
on a regular basis training here and preparing for games and a lot of local kids were being were being called in and you didn't you were a little bit spoiled to be honest and and the club scene was very strong and Gallagher was winning you know state cup after state cup and regionals and on the nationals I think that was kind of the expectation that that everything kind of worked around St. Louis but but the the now I look back I'm like wow that was that was pretty cool saw some saw some things that most uh, cities were didn't get a chance to see yeah you mean like Kansas City uh, <laughs> it was earlier than I thought it was going to be but it was it's gonna, I knew it was going to come up no, oh I, it's coming I think what's really cool for for your age group specifically and you were just a little bit older than us meaning Jared JB and I but you were kind of in that the tail end of the indoor boom mm-hmm. and the beginning of the MLS and I read that you were kind of one that was you were you were playing for the APSL, which I'll be honest, until today, even all through our show, I did not know that that existed. So my first question really is about the APSL. You work at Colorado, and then to make things equitable in that first draft, you get called over to Dallas. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about kind of your journey on the professional level from the indoor side? Because you got drafted by the by uh, Wichita, Wichita Wings, but never played for them. Mm-hmm. Played for my first big team that I used to watch, which was the Storm. Um, and so can you talk a little bit about that, that, that early professional years for you? Sure. So when I graduated, um, indoor was kind of the pathway, I guess, so to speak. And, and the outdoor scene was a was... Well, it was APSL at the time. If that didn't start until when you graduate, is in college. Correct, ninety one. <clears throat> okay. So yep. um, uh, outdoor wasn't going to be until the fall. So I was I wanted to play as a two sport uh, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, drafted by the St. Louis Storm and played a season. Got traded here to St. Louis from Wichita, and played that season. Steve Eyes was out in Colorado at the time. I know Steve and Dave. I'm familiar with those guys. Mm-hmm. They played at Indiana. Steve at uh, SLU. And he said, you know, come out to Colorado. Uh, and so we kind of worked things out. I went out. And fortunately, we had a really good situation. We had a German owner that owned a third division team in Germany. So he knew his way around a franchise and how to set it up. And he, and he kind of set us up pretty nicely. And, you know, we had some very, very good players. And at the time, that's the pinnacle of outdoor soccer. So that, you know, when you want to just continue to play and you want that to be your livelihood, that's that's it. And and. We knew it wasn't, you know, a first division league like you see around the world. But it, for us, it was we're making a, a living, I guess, in, in a way. But we're playing, so that w- that was cool. So I went to Colorado, played there for four years, and uh, it was a great experience. And you know, we won a couple championships and played with some very good players and uh, good coaching staff, good environment. Uh, and the, the owner had enough wherewithal to try to. And he wanted us to get better. He knew the scene here wasn't quite what it was where he was from. So we put together tournaments he brought in Norwich and Copenhagen and Kaiserslautern oh, wow. just to play yeah, heard like a round robin tournament <laughs> that's, we that's you know that's played awesome. that at Mile High which is a really cool event and um, so yeah we got a little bit of exposure that way and then when um, MLS came around they you know we went out to the I guess this is early 96 went out to the combine and went through a handful of days of training and now the draft's going to be the next day and I got a phone call saying you know you've been allocated to Dallas um, so pre, prior to the draft, every every team got a couple of allocation spots, and they said you're one of them. And um, that was my old coach Dave Durr, who went from Colorado to Dallas. I'm like, all right, let's go. This is this is really happening, and it's it, it, it's it's pretty cool. I mean, it was a long time coming, and um, I'm grateful just to have had that opportunity. 
It's very cool. So, so now during those years, you, you obviously, that's the time frame in which you were uh, getting the call to the national team. Uh, you, you're in and out of camps. Uh, how did you, or, or, I mean, I know it's always a priority for players that, that they want to be on that team. How did you, with kind of the, that fluidity, how were you managing that expectation? Um, you know, because there were gaps in between playing and then playing again. Uh, talk a little bit about your national team years. So my, my first, the first time I got called in was in, in 1988. That was after the, I, I redshirted it, slew my sophomore year to play in the Youth World Cup in Chile. That was 87. Got called in January as my first cap in 88. Um, and then after that, when, when I was getting called in, in and out at the professional level, um, 93, so this is prior to the 94 World Cup. And that, obviously that's the pinnacle. That's, that's what you dream of. And um, at that time, there was a residency program in Mission Viejo. So I... I had a, a teammate of mine in Colorado, Kim Runfed, who played in Wichita Wings and kind of a, a legend on the indoor uh, indoor circuit. But he had set me up. He's from Denmark. He had set me up to go to go over to Denmark on trial. And at the same time, this is right after the season, I got called into the national team to go into residency. So mm-hmm. I, I obviously I, I went that direction. Um, hindsight, maybe you you go and play in Denmark for a little bit and up your stock and then come back. But um, no, it, it worked out. I went and, and spent some time. You know, unfortunately, didn't make the roster, but it was a great experience. And then, kind of in and out for till '98. I think was the last time I got called in. So um, yeah, close on a few occasions, but you know, not quite where I wanted it to be. But uh, you know, I'm super grateful that I just had the opportunity to to give give it a run. I just find it so fascinating. Even then, the challenge of trying to put together a roster for the U.S. men's national team and what that would mean to try to pick the players amongst the amount of talent we have in this country. Even back then, now, you fast forward you know, 25 years, the talent level has increased dramatically yet the roster size still stays the same. <laughs> and so can you, in your head, can you think about how, how would you go about even doing a selection? I mean, you've been through that process. You've been up and down. And I'm not asking for a political comment here, like on, on Gio Reyna or anything like that. Just in general. I will. I know you will. No. <laughs> uh, no, just, I'm just curious. It's just something I've always been fascinated by is how you, the, that U.S. men's, the USSS or USSF chooses their players. It's just a crazy. Well, thing. yeah. You let me add a second part to that because in those years, it's pre MLS for the most part. We're talking pre 94, 95, you know, before the league is kicking off after the World Cup. And then, you know, we have contracted players, which is was unique globally. So did, your take on that selection process in light of how the U.S. was doing it differently than everybody else. Yeah. And, and, Back then, I guess, I mean, you always want to look where guys are in the best environment that might is going to translate to what that <clears> tournament is. And obviously here in the States where we didn't have a, a full-blown first division, it's, it'd be difficult to take players right out of our league and to that next jump because that's quite, quite a jump. So I think the players that were playing abroad, I mean, I think it was smart to make sure they were in the mix. But those, you know, those guys weren't necessarily under contract. At residency because they were playing with their teams abroad and that's 
that was smart as well. So that was a juggling act. I think there was that was a difficult uh, process. Now, man, it's it's so challenging because you don't get that much time with them. So you have to figure a lot out in a very little amount of time, right? So um, you know you got to manage or monitor what they're doing in their leagues. Try to figure out who who you think's informed. Try to figure out what the best combinations and what the best pairings in the back and things like that. And there's so many so many variables and like you mentioned so many really really good players i mean it's uh do, and well do you do you feel sorry to interrupt but i want to ask specifically about that everybody always talks about in sports in general that there's a golden age with u.s soccer with the players that we have now you know well with you know Pulisic just the other day another game winner, game winner you know you just the, the player <laughs> you know the volume of players and we were talking about Reem earlier yeah. in the show is this a special time right now for U.S. soccer, in spite of the frustrations of getting results, or what's you know how how do you compare and contrast today's talent pool with, you know those those ten year blocks going back to the late eighties? I'd say the the number of quality players is just so much greater. Um, there's some players that you go back a little ways, and the first name that comes to mind is Tab Ramos. I think he was amazing. extremely different. He really was. It's a, it's the good of a player that's probably played in the program, if I had to say. Um, but now there's just the numbers. I mean, there's so many. You take it all the way down to the youth level and watch what's what's going on. You go out to the fields and you you know you watch a academy game like you guys did, and you look and they're they all look very similar because they're all very technical because we're getting. You know, quality training, good environments, frequent training, everything's changed so dramatically. Yeah, we're producing a lot more, a lot more talent. So the the pool's expanded, but the the level of special players in this current age, I think, is is pretty good. Um, I think it's pretty good. Well, let me spray the infield here. Question for both of you, Brandon, jump in on this as well. You know, when when we we often talk about the U.S. team in terms of you know, what, why are we not getting over the hump? And, and the conversation always tends to gravitate towards style, style of play or mentality or, you know, kind of synergy amongst players. For example, you know, the, the Dutch team, you know, all of those players grew up in a youth system that every club is exactly the same. They all train the same. They move up through the ranks the same. So when they do play together, there's that synergy that comes from kind of, uh, you know, muscle memory, et cetera. What about here? Given our expanse, our population, the, 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 how uh, fractured our club world is, you know, from the East Coast to the West Coast, let alone in the Midwest, you know, do you see this as a positive, as a negative? How do we work through that? to somehow create an identity moving forward. Yeah, I think it's hard just because of the sheer size. You know, I mean, even just I remember playing in those like academy days and you'd go and you'd play a team up in Chicago versus the, the like you said, East Coast, West Coast, and you could kind of see a different style of play in those academies. And it's just, it's so big here. You know, there's this population in general. So I think they've tried a couple different times to kind of restructure and there, there was the academy back in the day and then now we got MLS Next, and now we got the MLS Next Pro. And I think what they're trying to do is pretty cool where you can kind of see comparatively to like, you know, you look over in Europe, they got the first team, they got the 23s, they got the academy, and you can kind of see that pathway now. Um, and I think it's really cool because they, they have like a, you know, between each level of each team, you can start to see a different style. So 
you got our 23s here, our, our next pro team, and they're trying to model after our first team. And you can see that when you go out to those games on a Sunday versus Saturday night. And I guess the goal is to build those players up into that system. But the harder part is how do you do that for a whole country, you know, not just an MLS program, but right. across the nation. Um, I don't know. I think it's, it's, it's a challenge. I think I think the our, the size of our country does make it does make it a challenge. And just um, trying to identify talent, the best talent, that's a challenge in and of itself as well, just because of the and then when you do start with the youth national teams, um, getting them together as fre frequent as you can, getting them in that environment to see who responds and see. And it, it's not a perfect science. So I think you get it right sometimes and you probably miss quite a bit just because it's just a difficult process. But mm -hmm. I, I'm really encouraged by what the level of our group is right now. Um, I think the expectation is going to be pretty high in the next one. Expectations are high, but, you know, we mentioned the Beckham documentary. Arguably, he's one of the best players to play that position to come out of England, and they couldn't win. <laughs> yeah. Um, with right. the I mean, talk about a golden age. I, that's what kind of humbles me. I get a little cocky every once in a while. Like, wow, look, look at these guys we have playing for Europe. And I'm like, well, shit. So does every team in Europe. <laughs> so well, yeah. all, France, Italy, they all have <laughs> players playing in Europe. So what do we have that's different? And I think that's going to be a, a big, big challenge for yeah, us. Yeah, because I get frustrated a little bit just as a Homer American, at, you know, to the core as far as like wanting us to be better and compete more because I feel as if we had a lot of lost time. You know, you go back to 50 and it's like, you, you have this shining star moment capitalize upon. And we didn't for, well, 40 years, right? And we finally get back, and then we make inroads, and we're moving, we're, you know, well, then a few years ago, we don't qualify. But here's the problem as I see it, too. You have the usual suspects, Brazil, Argentina, the European powerhouses in particular. But at the same time, African nations have gotten exponentially better. Uh, look at what uh, Turkey, you know, uh, you know, nations like that, uh, Asian, South Korea, Japan. Do you see the kind of the global explosion of the game? Does that is that is that going to help us? Is that going to hurt us? Because now I feel like we have way more competition in spite of the elevated talent. I, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. I think as we sit here and talk about the progress that we're making here, I think other countries are doing the same. And they're talking about their progress and how much better they've become and, and their talent pool's getting more expansive and kids are you know, in better environments early. I mean, it, it's everyone, the game isn't stopped and we're given time to catch up. The game's moving fast and we're, we're trying to stay with it. You know, and other countries are moving along as well. So it it's just very, very difficult now, but it's, also, that's the beauty of it, and that's the, the beauty of, of that event and that tournament is, is the overall quality of so many different nations. Do, do you like the fact that they're expanding it to, what is 64? Is or that? 32. 64. Uh, Isn't it? It's more than 32. Well, you can't really do incremental, can you? I don't know. In a tournament like that? I think it's 64. Yeah, the next World Cup, I mean, they added 16 teams. Oh, 16, so 48. Yeah. Well, not having Italy in it was was 
<laughs> tragic. I mean, I mean, how do you have a World Cup without Italy? So I'm, I'm okay with expanding. I, I think it's good. I, anytime we can expand, I think it just gives more opportunity to some of those smaller nations to get exposure, to raise the level of awareness. And I, I think it's great. I think one of the challenges, we had Marcelo Baboa on mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago, and he talked about how that 94 World Cup team, the challenge they had really was not just the residency program that they had at, at Viejo, but they didn't have any qualifying matches mm-hmm. because they were the home team. Yeah. So they didn't have to. And I think our squad's going to struggle with that a little bit in this 2026 uh, tournament as well because they're going to have to get games. They're going to travel to get games and international breaks. And it's going to be, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. But, you know, Brandon, I want to get to you at, 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 on a completely separate topic. Um, but it's something your dad said earlier, which is when I asked him about, how do you find the right players? He mentioned you look at the programs that are producing the right environment. You are now coaching in college for D2 school, Wash U. Are they, yeah. D3. D3. Yeah. And you've seen the ECNL program on the girls' side. Do you, when you're starting to look at recruiting now, do you look for winning programs first and then their players? Or do you look for a player's attributes and then look at their environment? I'm just curious. That's a good question. I think, I mean, a little bit of both. I think, um, I mean, we get emails, calls from all over the country, so we're open to everywhere. But I think you form those relationships with certain clubs, um, wherever that may be. But, yeah, I think it's it's a tough one because – you don't want to be closed-minded and say, you know, we only want players from X clubs and, you know, someone comes around from wherever it may be and, you know, catches your eye. So I think it's more so you form those relationships where you know who's running a program and, and who's where and, and maybe you make an effort if you're at a showcase to, to pop out to that game just because you, you know the club uh, has history of producing quality players so you catch a game maybe just on a cold. But, um, yeah, I think... I think like you look at a club like Gallagher here and they have a great program, you know the staff and you can get to know like the people there and it definitely helps to find um, to find players when you know where they're coming from and how they're developing. And the reason I ask is just announced this week was that Indy Vasilev from City gets, getting his first call up mm-hmm. for the, <clears throat> the Olympics. U23, yeah. Um, and I we had Miggy, we've had Caden, you know, um, I wonder, and this sounds like it's going to be a, a slam on them. If City's not doing as well as they are, do they get the call up? That's, That's <laughs> kind yeah. of where I'm going. Like, no, it's, it's, it's 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 hard to say. Oh, I'm sure they would, because how do they get exposure without that kind of success? Success that yeah. wave rising, you know, raising them up. That's why I, I love what you said because it, I never heard anybody say it that way. You look for the programs that create that environment for competitiveness that's going to match the level of the tournament. And I think it's we've never heard anybody. I've never heard anybody say that. And so I, it's really profound. And then it made me think about Wash U and how how just recruiters in general pick their players. And so appreciate you guys indulging me on that little yeah. mind journey. Yeah. So Mark, question to you then would be. MLS specific, you know, you, you're in on ground floor, eight teams. Now here we are uh, basically at 30 with the uh, inclusion of San Diego. 
you look at the stadiums, you look at the the games themselves, the quality of play, the the roster, the the composition of the rosters as well. You know, between domestic players and DPs and international players, what's your, what's your take on the league? You know, in uh, what is this twenty four? What was the math on that? 20, about twenty seven years, right? Yeah. <clears throat> Since day one grade the league are they getting it right you know and and talk about kind of that overall view of mls well i think the the growth in such a short period of time is is impressive i mean if you look at other established leagues even other sports and they're established and how they've established themselves it took it took years decades uh to get to a place that mls has has gotten to rather quickly to be honest i mean for a league it's still a very young league I think the quality is is very good. I think you're attracting um, better players, younger. You know, especially the, the players you're bringing in from abroad. You're getting them a little bit earlier. Back in the early days, it was it was twofold. You wanted to get quality, but you also wanted to maybe get a name that might draw a little bit as right. well and and help spread the league and and draw some attention to the league. And definitely had some some players that you know David Beckham being one of them that was monumental in the in the growth of the league just to draw the attention and you see it with with Messi now and it's it's great to have that going on so I think you're seeing um, younger players come over from abroad that are that are of a higher quality or at least have you know and definitely have some year, more years left to play um, I think it's in a really really good place now the Crafting a roster and, and doing the math, that's a whole nother animal. I don't, I don't have first-hand <laughs> knowledge. I have buddies that do it and talk to them about it, and I know it, <clears throat> it can be tricky trying to navigate through that. But um, I think the league's in a really, really good place. Let me ask you just a fun question then, because a uh, Southie peer of yours, uh, Mr. Steve Ralston, talked about his early days. I'm going to ask you the same question, but his answer to the question, which is, you know, in those early years, who is the player – you know, with these DPs coming in, you know, the names like Beckham, et, et cetera. What's the name that stands out to you? Because he tells his story down there in Tampa and Carlos Valderrama and what he meant to that team, to him personally and within that locker room and then going out and playing with him. Who, who's the name that from your career that you're like, damn, I played with X? Probably Carlos's good friend Lionel Alvarez oh really yeah he came to <laughs> Dallas and was just su- such a professional and, and exceptional player obviously but just a pro I mean just a pro and I learned a lot from him and watching how he conducted himself and it was at a time where you know the facilities weren't where they are now so you had some obstacles the travel is a little bit different I mean you had challenges that you don't that they're not facing right now no complaints out of him and he was always a pro day in and day out and if you watch the 30 for 30 uh the two escobars right. and you see what he went through you can you can understand why he is a calming presence in any locker room because of what they went through was was remarkable but yeah that'd be that'd be a player that comes to mind right away so from the opposing bench who who were you uh starstruck by but you didn't want to <laughs> you were like this dude's going to toast me. It's coming. I can feel it. Anybody scare you like that? You know, I have a scar on my ankle from um, Lothar Mateus. So that was, uh, oh. <laughs> yeah, I kind of had a crafty tackle, and, and so I felt that one. But um, there was quite a few uh, really good players that, that, that came through that were, um, you know, maybe at the twilight of their career. But you could just 
you could feel the, the uh, professionalism and you can see how they conducted themselves. It's just different. So, Brandon, you were born when? 97. 97. So kind of you didn't get to watch your dad from a memorable standpoint because you retired Mark in 01 with the team on the other side the other of side. the state. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, oh, he's paying today, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have any memories of your dad as a professional or is he always just your dad? Like, did you, when did you, when did it click that, oh shit, my dad was kind of a big deal? Um, it was funny. I mean, in grade school, when I started to like really get into soccer, um, I still, I don't think I realized it even at that age. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Um, until like, well, you know, a couple of friends would be like, oh, your dad was pretty good, right? And then when I was growing up and playing youth soccer and coaches would come up to me, like Tom Howe or whoever it was coaching me at the time, was like, you as fast as your dad? I'm like, I don't think so, but. <laughs> I am now. <laughs> I, I am now. <laughs> um, and then I think I started to catch on as I got older, you know, like when I say older, I still grade school, probably like third, fourth grade. And I was like, okay, wait, I think he's a pretty decent player. So, you know, I'd start looking stuff up on my own. Um, but yeah, we, I mean, always, I never got to really watch because I was four when, right. when he retired. So it was always uh, dad as the as my personal coach and, and just came to my games and practices and, and just helped me along the way. Did, did you coach him? I never coached him. No, <laughs> I was always there, but uh, he had some, he had some really good coaches and it was, it was fun. It was fun to, to watch. I mean, I savor every minute of it. You know, our daughter played as well and they're just super cool time. You guys are going through it now. I mean, yeah. I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. And it's painful. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, yeah, there are days. <laughs> Thank, thanks, so, Mark. So, how how are your kids about like post practice, post game? I mean, do you oh guys have God. dialogue? Do you do? You, how's that go? You can go first. Uh, it's it evolved because I coached my son <laughs> for many, many years, and I I played through high school, and that was the end of it. So I was mm-hmm. never, I didn't have aspirations to do anything beyond that. I love the game, always have, and. When he was three years old, he started kicking the ball, and we're like, okay, we'll see. And then we moved to St. Louis and got him into the Gallagher Friday Night Lights kind of stuff and started to see, oh, there's some potential here. Um, But I coached him in a club team after we left Gallagher for a year, and then we came back, and then I had to relinquish the coaching side of it, which was very difficult Mm -hmm. because when you've coached your own child for that long, it's hard to just to turn that switch off. Sure. Um, and so it took some time and a lot of <laughs> counseling, I think, uh, to get to a point where we are now where... And beer. Yeah. yeah <laughs> uh, where we can have a good, positive conversation post-game, post-practice. But I can tell really quickly if he's in a headspace where I can actually ask him questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he's at a level now where he can analyze, without my involvement in any way, shape, or form, his performance, the performance of the team... And in fact, yeah. he's got to the point where he's like, listen, I love you, I respect you, but you've never played at this level. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> so I, I your see advice it. is uh, I'm with him. I, I, th- I, think, I think the thing is, Mark, like, you, you know, you've been close to the game your whole life. Whether or not you've been in it, you've been close to it. The, the environment that these kids are playing in now, you know, even at the, even at the youngest ages, at just fun select 
I mean, the, the, just the facilities and the trainers and everything that they have. It's like this elevated amplification. It's well, just intense. Well, no, like as kids, you didn't get to play at soccer park. You maybe you get to the turf fields and you're like, oh shit, but field one's off limits. Now, every day of the week, kids are out on field one and they've got $300 shoes and all this stuff. It's just this thing that it's just a bigger game than it's ever been, even in our backyard. And as far as my answer to your question, how do we handle it? How do I handle it? I really just try to leave the door open because to Zach's point, you know, these kids at these clubs, really all all MLS academies, Gallagher Fuse, et cetera, every game is recorded. Every training is recorded. If the kid is really into it, like if they're serious about it, they're watching film, they're watching their mistakes, they're, you know, it's just the consumption of soccer data mm-hmm. that is included with, I mean, their, their favorite TikTok and Instagram pages now are like diet, uh, you know, smoothies and, you know, <laughs> that wasn't ours, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm looking for, you know, bathroom calendars down at the gas station like yeah you know um so i think it's just different so it's stressful it is 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 this my simplest we talked about pressure in our most recent episode and i think that's the biggest difference you know when we were growing up if you played more than twice a week or trained twice a week it's a big deal Mm -hmm. so all your training then had to be on your own in the backyard in your basement you know whatever and I think that's a big difference. And, and then the expectations. I mean, these kids, yeah, the city kids are watching their teammates get homegrown contracts and go play for the U.S. national team. And yeah, it's dudes that they would stood in line with to get a slushie at soccer park or whatever. Or, or committing now. to IU or in SLU and, <laughs> you know, all these places. So it's, it's just a different. But I, I'm looking forward to the second half because I, I, I've got some coaching questions for uh, Brandon here that I'm well we also got to ask him the the ultimate question well I haven't gotten there yet I'm, I'm, I'm you, still holding it you're gonna tease it I'm still teasing it does this have to be answered or is this an optional answer oh no oh no 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 this it. is a must if you do not answer I do oh, not boy. air this episode <laughs> Fair enough. all right we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break we're gonna get some refills down here at uh, Maggie O'Brien's caddy corner cross street from City Park Come down, check it out. Get the lemon pepper wings, all flats, sauce on the side. You'll thank us later. We'll be right back with Mark and Brandon. Working on our night moves. Trying to make some front page driving. I'm Max, and I'm nine years old. When I'm not playing soccer, jumping on a trampoline, or playing Xbox, with permission, of course, I listen to the Baked In Podcast with Josh Allen. Josh talks to some of the most incredible business leaders in St. Louis. From Maxine Clark of Build-A-Bear to Gerard Kraft, the chief flavor officer for my favorite team, St. Louis City SC. There's something for everyone. If you're interested in the secret sauce of success, check out the Baked In Podcast. Now, back to those old guys. There we go. Refills. Yes, sir. What do you? Well, you haven't gotten another one though. What yeah, are you I did. doing over there? I did. Gin and soda. Gin and soda. Yep. Is that part of your workout regimen? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> less calories. 
than beer. I like it, man. But, you know. Mark Brandon, how you doing? Doing great. Good. How the pints? Excellent. Going Quality. down smooth? Oh, yeah. Quality? Mm-hmm. Um, I know, Zach, you had a... Uh, well, yeah, I kind of teased it, and I don't want to make it any bigger than it was, but Mark, you wrote a children's book about soccer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Correct. And I want to know why, first of all, <laughs> and, and, and how you did that, um, and, and, and what kind of inspired you to go down that path. So I guess it was 97. I'd been in Dallas for a year, I guess, and um, I was doing an appearance at Borders Books, and it just to read to the kids and I took our daughter she was very young but still um, you know kind of on the cusp of doing that right so I just the, the gentleman that kind of arranged it I asked him after the after the uh, appearance I said do you need anything any help do you want me to come out once a month whatever he said yeah that'd be cool let's do that and then after I did that for a little while he's like why don't we make this formal and we'll do kind of an arrangement and I'll you know compensate you for your time and all that and I said that's you're not really in it for that, but that's that's fine. And then he he said, "Look, I have a, a publisher. Would you be interested in you know maybe putting together a children's book?" And I pitched to my older brother, who's who he wrote it for us. And um, not that it, it was you know <laughs> novel type of <laughs> literature, but um, he did all that. He's he's very clever. So um, he put it together. We found a they hooked us up with a, a graphic artist and a publisher and. Just had some fun with it. It was, yeah, it's kind of a cool thing, you know. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, the reason I bring bring that up is because I've made mention of it before, and I just need to quit my job, I guess, to, to work on this full time. But I've started writing kind of some script ideas around soccer, particularly the Steamers era, um, and just how to tell a story. And it's it's a, it's it's hard. It's really really hard. You should dictate it. I've thought about go. that. Yeah. But it's it's so cool to meet somebody and that that's gone through that kind of the, the publishing process and just the the creative side of it and and you know working with your brother working with the publisher and all the different moving pieces it's yeah. it's really cool and my, my older brother actually wrote a novel he did write a oh, really like a murder mystery and it, it it did okay I mean it's it's impressive yeah so he had a knack for it so that was that's really cool it was part of the inspiration. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for uh, answering that question. You bet. Um, <laughs> Painless. Yeah. No, I, I, I kind of teased it up as if it was some like juicy secret, but it was just that you have a children. Now, can you name the children's book so we can go find it? Soccer Dreamin'. Soccer Dreamin'. With the apostrophe? Mm-hmm. Love it. Like California Dreamin'. There you go. Nice. Speaking of Dreamin', that's a perfect seg- segue. Yeah? I want to get back into bring Brandon, you in particular, into this uh, segment, um, talking about your new role at Wash U, and you know we were talking earlier about <clears throat> talent identification, etc. With the kind of the shift in the landscape of soccer in general, and just really the explosion, because I mean there's there's players in every corner. Um, with St. Louis being unique in so much that we love our high school soccer. And at the same time, the vast majority of the country is accelerating its GA programs as well as ECNL is getting it's getting bigger. And there's becoming more and more expectations on the ECNL side with these showcases and uh, the, the, the tournaments, so to speak. Are you seeing from a collegiate standpoint, when you do look kind of 
down at the be- at the beginning of the pipe. Where are you looking these days? And and what's your path of least resistance at the program you're at? Well, I would say <clears throat> ECNL probably to start simply because you know they they do a great job with the showcases. Um, and, you know, we'll go out to the major events, but we also attend, you know, GA events, things like that, high school games. Um, I think it, it is hard because it's, well, for the girls' side, you know, there is high school and ECNL. It's not like the boys' side where you have to pick one or the other, so you're, you're not right. limited. Um, so those same players are probably playing in one or the other. But, you know, we, we attend the GA, um, ECNL, and those are kind of, you know, neck and neck maybe. Around that, <laughs> I do well, want to ask about that. What yeah. was the statistic? Uh, uh, Seventy-five, almost eighty percent of all D one signings this year came from ECNL. Yeah, um, on the girls' side, and and it's just it is a big event when they put on showcases, playoffs, things like that, and they're accessible and they're you know, um, I think it depends on your program as well, where you're located, what you can get to. We'll go. I mean, GA had an event out here that we went to. Um, We'll go out to the playoffs, things like that. So kind of depends. I think, like you said, there's players in every corner. So you really can't count anyone out depending on what team they're on. It is hard because we're such a highly academic school. Just bring that up, yeah. Um, so we're somewhat limited. <laughs> you have to be able to get in. You got to be able to get into the school. So, yeah. you know, there's one box you got to check um, at the gate, and it's can you get in. Are you guys um, test optional? We are, yes. Okay. So um, can you get in? And then, so, you know, it's not like recruiting for any school where you go to a game and pick your favorite player. Maybe we'll give them a call. We got to check the grades. Okay, so talk. take a second and talk to the parents that are listening right now that have a daughter that is academically advanced, uh, athletically in, from soccer perspective, you know, playing at a competitive level. If you were to, to advise them, you know, uh, how to manage the process. Because some high schools are involved, most are not. Clubs are usually, they're involved to a degree. There's conversations that are occurring between staff and schools, et cetera. But if, but if, but if an individual, a family was on an island in which those relationships didn't exist, what, what would be your advice to the family, to that player, as far as how to prepare, how to message their portfolio uh be it clips or their 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 resume what do you like to see when when a player and or a family reaches out to you um i think a1 is proactive you know you reach out as many times as you can i think um especially for me i get loads of emails calls things like that and i think even when i was going through the process of trying to find a school you send out an email maybe you don't get a reply and you're like all right, I guess I'll cross it off. Send another one, you know, give a call, send another email, go to a camp, things like that. I think you can never do too much to get your name out there. And I think it is a different time period where social media is so big. So you can, it can be a huge asset to yourself where you can use it. You can kind of brand yourself as a player. Um, And those are all things like when you know, having a good video, putting together, having a, a full half of a game, a full game that we can watch and, when, I get, when I'm getting players reach out to me, I'll, I'll watch every video that gets sent my way. And if it catches my eye, okay, we'll reach out. We'll have a conversation. And, and then it's like, can we see a game? And I think it's just having that constant communication. Because um, I think it's also understanding from the players that how, me, how many players reach out, right? So 
like when I was going through it, if I didn't hear back, I was like, oh, it sucks. Maybe that's it. <laughs> but you also have to understand, I probably got 20 other today that I'm just trying to manage. Yeah. So I think it's just being very proactive and, and staying that course of like, if, if you have somewhere you want to try to get to, um, trying to form that relationship, maybe get out to a camp, go see campuses. I think that's the biggest thing is like, go see what you like schools, what size, where would you want to be? Yeah, we, we had a conversation recently, my son and I, because he is nine months away from his first June 15th, you know, date oh, yeah. where he can, can be contacted. And, and I think our goal is to start making some contacts this fall prior to some of the events we have coming up with, with mm -hmm. our boys, just letting these coaches know, hey, we're interested. He's interested in your school. By the way, we're playing in Phoenix these days. Right. You know, but the big thing is what we've been told is make sure you respond to the response. Meaning if if we send an email to XYZ coach, say, hey, we're going to be in Phoenix, and that coach responds, just a thank you to that. Absolutely. Don't let that sit in your inbox. If you're, you know, being proactive, stay on top mm -hmm. of the communications because <laughs> you can get chopped off that list well, real no, fast. Uh, the Tulsa letter? Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so I made Beckett email the coach just saying, hey, you know, thanks for the invitation. Um, but, you know, due to club responsibilities, I won't be able to make it. And then Kim was standing there and she, she was like, and you're not going anywhere, are you? Oh, <laughs> 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 you know, no. Anyway, I've got a I got a fun question that I want to pose to both of you. And I'll start with you, Mark. And then we'll shift it to you from a player, young player perspective, Brandon. But, you know, a, a theme question that we've asked in the past, and actually, uh, Ken Godet was the first one. And that is the it, the it in a player. When you see a player at a young age or really at any level, um, you know, when people say that that individual, you know, when I watch them play, they just have it. And, you know, and the conversation stops in your world, in your experience, going back through time and, you know, and, and looking at a no name youth player, maybe when you see that, how do you describe it? What is the it in a player that you look for that gets you excited? Wow, that's that's a really good question. Um, <laughs> it's it's difficult now because when I'm watching games or, or scouting games, there's a lot of kids that look very, very similar, right? And we talked about that earlier. I mean, they're all technical. They can all play a bit. And so, yeah, you're looking for something different. I look for maybe some, some habits that keep showing themselves. I mean, it's something as simple as checking your shoulder on a regular basis to make sure where the pressure is. Now, but that might, that's not the it factor. Players that take real initiative can play out of tight situations. Um, that can take responsibility and, 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 you know, get at players. I mean, there's do things with conviction consistently um, and then do things that are a little different. It's hard to describe sometimes, I mean, but right. with the, it, I think it's a little easier with attacking players is, is you know. Well, gro growing up in the time frame that you did and the teams that you played with and the players that you played with, et cetera, you know, in, in, in looking at, the landscape today because today's landscape is very very methodical mm -hmm. it's extremely structured you know we were talking earlier you have first team you have two teams you then you have the academy you know and you can go to any one of these major academies i mean right here city city does this 
when you you can watch the first team train and then you can go watch the U15 team train and you're going to see 80-90% overlap in the practices. So it's it's this process. But when you were young, the competition competition was almost at the forefront maybe more so than like training or player development do you think we've lost a little bit of just go have fun find a way to win go in the backyard play 3v3 all that you know to do you think we've lost some of that too too much structure i think that's i think i think there's some truth to that um and i think some you'll I like to see personality in players, right? And so if you see players that, that show a little bit of personality and do some things that they had live in a situation that, you know, goes against the grain a little bit. But, um, yeah, I think there's a little bit of truth to that because you are – you're you're you're, you're you play according to what you're doing and conditioned to doing every day, and it, it can get a little bit robotic, I think. But, um, yeah, that's a, that's a, a, a really good, really good – question to be honest it's well, a Brent, tough, tough well, one to answer well let's shift it over to the youth here you you've, you've got the fresher brain than the three of us man when it comes to looking at talent and you're looking for that it in a player that you want to recruit you know academics aside um what are, what are you looking for you know at this stage because obviously you're, you're relatively new to this part mm-hmm. of the process yeah. but what excites you i think um you kind of touched on it is personality in whatever position you're playing so if you're a defender you know, I love a good tackle so um, if you're an attacker showing a bit of a flair maybe I mean it doesn't have to be anything crazy but I think it's just having because like you said nowadays it feels like everyone's got pretty good technical ability um, teams are organized they know how they want to play so when you go out to watch a game you can see a lot of it's all good, but a lot of the same, right? So it's like that that it factor, it's somewhat indescribable, but it can be something as little as a center mid just moving a little bit differently off the ball, checking their shoulder, dr- drifting into pockets, or maybe a center back just won't shut up. And just, yeah, I was going to say, what about like sass? What about, you know, <laughs> yeah. getting out there? And, you know, because we all know, we've all played with those individuals that hate to lose. Oh, yeah. You know, and then when they're in that position and they are losing, you know, it's almost as if that that uh, that quote sass right gets bigger and bigger. Is that a turn on? Is that a turn off? You know, because you know, so many of these players, they're sterile. They are very sterile in their emotions for the most part, and that's very frustrating for me. Well, because they're conditioned out of it in a lot of cases. I, <laughs> I mean, I get it, but wait, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, I I think there's. There's a good version of it and there's a bad version of it. I think you can have competitiveness and attitude and, and this will to win, but then you can do it in a way that's maybe not the most appropriate for Yeah, the because the, the old school north, south, east, west, those rivalry that was fun. Sure. Like that was you know, now now you're grinning a little bit. It's like hmm. that true rivalry because a lot of these clubs, you know, especially at the academy level, I mean, chime in here, but it's it's there's not rivalries per se there's not like i mean there there are i i think for our boys in particular and i can only speak to to our group chicago fire has always been that i mean we've never won it's the only team since my son was 12 that we haven't beaten and that we've played you know multiple times and so there is a rivalry there but for the most part 
you only play them once every year, maybe twice sometimes. But so I do think there is a little bit of that that's lost because we don't get to play teams from around here very much. You know, it's you got to travel 500 miles to play. And so it makes it difficult to become rivals. That's why the whole Sporting KC City thing, the Sporting KC teams like, well, this isn't a rival. It's just geographically different. You know, like, well, okay, well, we can get into that. But I want to go down a different path because something I'm, I'm seeing, which is kind of crazy, is, Mark, you mentioned playing for Tommy Howe at Gallagher. And then, Brandon, you got to play for Tommy Howe. I did, yes. Mark, you played for Joe Clark, who we got to meet a couple months ago, who's one of the most class, amazing human beings I've ever met in my life. Now you get to work kind of side by side with Joe because mm-hmm. he's the men's coach at Wash U and you're with Conlon. Yep. Um, how does that feel? Like to, to kind of, that's the generational difference. I honestly think when we talk about what's unique about St. Louis, it's the generational day. Uh, superiority that we've had, meaning we're two, three generations ahead of a Detroit or even a Chicago, not Chicago so much, but uh, Detroit, Dallas, uh, Kansas City. Cincy. Cincy, where this is the first generation of really good players that they're seeing in those cities. You're the second generation of, or third, really. Um, And so how does that make you guys feel? I'm I'm, I'm throwing that out there kind of as a softball for either you, Mark, or Brandon to kind of answer, but the fact that you guys have been around so many different of the same people it's pretty cool. It's pretty unique. Yeah, I think I think it's pretty cool, and it's um, mind blowing in a sense. Where like I, you know, you played for for Joe, and then I I see him in the office every day. So it's <laughs> it's a little bizarre to think about, but it's it's really cool because it is such a it's a big community, but it's small in the same sense. Where you could always find someone you probably have a mutual connection with or or, or know. Right. Um, and, and it is really cool, but it is kind of bizarre in the same. Yeah. And I'll, I'll go the other direction as far as, you know, I, I played with Johnny Klein and Johnny Klein is his <laughs> yeah. good buddy. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that, that's, you know, that, I mean, it makes me feel a little bit older, but seeing a lot of these, you know, the guys that we grew up with having kids that are playing, I mean, it's, it's, that's pretty cool. He's had several kids that, he's played with uh, along the way that uh, their dads or friends or we played together. It's like you said, it's a, it's a very um, uh, small community when it co- in that regard. How, how cool is it too, though? And Zach alluded to it, you know, names like Tommy Howe, Terry Mickler, um, you know, Pat McBride's of the world, et cetera, in which you guys are seeing this like, you know, second and third time through fourth time through for some, right. Um, Brandon, for you in particular, um, you know, you're starting your career as a coach. Do you feel like because you're aware of the shoes, because you know the individuals, does that make it more exciting, a little more stressful? Because there's a whole bunch of W's that, 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 that pre- preceded you in your path now. Is it fun? Is it a challenge? Like, what's where's I, your gut at on that? I think that? it's exciting. It, it, I do. It's fun. Um, it, yeah, like you said, it's a challenge. I think it's like, I think it's something you just have to embrace and just, you know, kind of learn along the way and surround yourself with really good people that can teach you. Um, and I could go on and on about names that have taught me along the way, those coaches or people I've worked with that have been 
some weren't mentors to me, but I think it, it's... Well, you know your dad was pretty good, right? He was all right. Yeah. But, <laughs> but it is cool. I, I look at it more as like a fun, exciting type time. Um, yeah, I, I don't... It doesn't really... It's a good scare, not in a... Not like in an oh shit way, but more of a fun <laughs> way. Yeah. <laughs> a little energy. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. So we had Ralph Richards on, um, who is now the commissioner of the East and girls, mm-hmm. um, and was the former coach of the 2006 two time, yep. uh, national champions with more hardware than most <laughs> teams in the area, um, can, can speak to. And, I wonder if you can kind of talk to your mentors, meaning the folks that you watched as you're playing and now that you're in this coaching ranks, are there, are there, are there guys out there like a Ralph that kind of helped mold how you have taken on coaching (laughs) or that made you want to be a coach? Well, that's kind of, (laughs) yeah. Well, my dad being one of them for sure. um, Cause I saw him coach as well. Um, He was never my coach. He coached my sister when we were younger. Um, but then he coached at Slough a little bit as well. But I saw that firsthand, and I think we just talked so much soccer around the house that I just am um, a bit of a junkie. So just being around the game so much, I always knew if I, once I'm done playing, I'm, I'm probably going to be coaching. So um, that was never a question. And then there are, yeah, Ralph was, you know, more recently um, someone that I was around a lot and learned a lot from. Um, just a really, really smart soccer guy. But I think... Um, really good with like building those relationships with with people I think that's kind of when everyone asks like what's your philosophy type I think that's kind of where I go off of is like building those relationships with with players with parents things like that that can really um, help players moving forward I think back when I played and I'm like little comments from a coach maybe that was um, helpful that goes much longer than you think it does so I think that's kind of where I'm building off of now is like trying to build up players and form those real type of relationships that can help them. Yeah. No, it's, it's cool. You know, really, um, I think the environment you're in too at WashU in particular and, you know, for, for your first gig really in so much that you said it about the academics, like you've got a big handcuff as far as like, you know, talent. I mean, there's a lot of really, really smart girls that are talented but wash you smart is a much smaller sliver. Right, right. So good luck to you with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I want to talk. I want to talk real quick um, about you know it, it, our community and being around friends. And it, it, you just said you made a comment about being around friends, and it made me think about stadium across street for you in particular, Mark. Um, I'm assuming you've been. Yeah, are you season ticket holder. Yes. All right, so when you walk in there, 22,400 people, you have a lot of friends that are there. What, what is that stadium, what is this whole experience of year one? You know, because obviously you have a unique relationship with the league having played in it. You, you know, you were, you were on the front lines, but you're a St. Louis guy. And now here we are, inaugural season, first place in the West, clinched, you know, sellout after sellout after sellout. What does the whole experience mean to you between that team, that space, and this time? Well, for one, I think they've done a tremendous job on just how they built, I mean, from the structure, the infrastructure, 
uh, what they've done with uh, constructing the team, the identity of the team, embracing the city, every little touch here and there they've done, they've done really, really well. It's a, it's a little bit surreal. I remember the first night we walked in there, I'm like, wow, this is, um, this is pretty awesome. And I didn't, I didn't know what to expect. I've been to a lot of games, a lot of, you know, cool stadiums with, with great environments, but it's, it's different when it's your hometown, of course. And, um, you know, just seeing all the people that you've, you know, like we're talking about the friends and how they've embraced it. It's, um, and knowing what it was in the very beginning, you know, it was kind mm-hmm. of, a, you know, proud to have been a part of that um, and blessed to have been very grateful to have that opportunity to be a part of what started this um, and seeing such a short period of time. I know it's been a while here. We've been waiting for this one for a oh, while, God. right? Um, but yeah, it's it's pretty surreal. It's, it's, it's a very, very cool experience. Well, let me ask you this too, <clears throat> because, you know, you go to those first few years really through, well, really f- f- for the life of MLS, St. Louis players have always been on the pedestal throughout MLS at, you know, all the other programs, you know, from yourself to uh, Ralston and Brad Davis and Taylor. Uh, Taylor and, you know, the list goes on and on and on and on. And here we are. Now we have our team. Um, how big of a deal is it going to be? when one of our own becomes that 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 dp that captain potentially here in the 314 you know because obviously we look at players like yourself and your peers and you guys are all on a pedestal for all of us that love the game and have grown up with it in our backyard here but now that we have a team how special is it going to be whenever that one player breaks through Oh, I think it's going to be a uh, incredible thing for for this city, for that individual, whoever that individual is going to be, and it's going to be someone that we've probably all kind of watched develop, and probably saw them when they were, you know, knee high and and playing in the youth leagues and um, academy and all that sort of thing. So it'll be it'll be cool because you'll be able to identify with the pathway that 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 took that player to that to to that place. Hopefully, hopefully sooner than later, right? Yeah, maybe one of those U sixteen boys. We'll see. <laughs> well, if it's one of those, they can start paying the tab. I agree. <laughs> Gentlemen, really, really appreciate your time. Uh, we're, we're coming up on a soft stop to finish drinks and go pick up those little things. Yep. Well, they're not really that little they're anymore. They're not little anymore. No. What's your guys' plan tonight? Who's buying dinner when you guys roll out here? I will buy. Ah. <laughs> hey, I'll offer, I will you'll buy. buy. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll reach for your pocket. Oh, yeah. oh no, I got it, Dad. All right. Well, guys, you know, thank you very much for joining us. It's been a lot of fun. Thank um, you, guys. Appreciate thank it. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, best of luck with the. Uh, are you in season right? We are. Now? You yes. are. In, yep. What's yes. what's the current record? Where are you guys uh, at? Eleven and zero right now. That's oh, not so bad. That's, uh, yeah, so Eleven. Uh, so no losses. <laughs> no losses. Okay. No, no. No goals. No goals against. Wow. No way. Impressive. Yeah. yeah. Very impressive. Jesus. Dang. You. Uh, how big's your back line? Like six <laughs> two across the back. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> what's a, what's secret sauce there? Oh, if I gave it away, I think I don't know if Jim yeah, would be too yeah, excited. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Will you guys enjoy the rest of your evening? Thanks. Oh, thanks for playing Greta Von Fleet. By the way, I am. Ah. I know it's been in the text string for a yeah. while, and uh, uh, Mr. Jared, he'll, he'll be listening. He's like, man, have you ever heard of G- Greta Van Fleet? It's good stuff. 
Like, yeah, out. it's uh, it's the thirty no the forty year later version of Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Thanks, have a good guys. night. I appreciate it. Thank, Thank you guys. for listening. Follows, likes, shares, all that good stuff would be greatly appreciated. Uh, Crescent Plumbing, thank you. Axis PT, thank you. Chris and Bill, you're the best. Pinnacle Points coming at you next time. See ya. <laughs>